back, Blake, to the Summit Realty Group podcast. Glad to be back. Good, Glad good. Back. So what are we talking about today? Today, uh, expectation management. What to expect when you're buying a house in Fairbanks, North Pole, Alaska. Okay. Um, this kind of came about when I got a phone call last week, uh, a serious phone call, uh, about a client coming up here that asked, um, hey, I'm thinking about coming up here, but I've heard that you all live in igloos. And literally, I laughed. I was like, you're funny. And he was like, no, for real, what, like, what do you guys live in? Like, are they all trailers and uh, ACO units, stuff like that? And I was like, no, we have traditional houses. We have we have windows and doors, and yeah. some, some of us even have heat and running water. <laughs> and uh, so I figured, you know, uh, we are this very strange place. And uh, it's <clears> exciting, <throat> and there's some uniqueness here. But, but when we say unique, it's not igloos, and it's not ACO units. No, no, it's, it's way different than yeah. the lower 48. And if you've not been up here, lower 48 is what you would think it would be. But <laughs> so. so first, I'm going to run through some statistics so we can kind of talk about the average home here. Okay. And then we'll dive into above average or below average. Mm-hmm. So the average house here is about $350,000. Earlier this year, it was about three sixty. Right now, it's about three forty. So we'll just take the median there. So $350,000 house will get you about three bedrooms, about two bathrooms, and two car garage on one acre somewhere around 1,800 square feet. Um, I would say our average house is probably built in the early 80s, um, but we have houses dating back to the 30s, and we have houses as new as this year. So Yeah. Um, There's not a lot of 30s houses. There's, no. N- you know, Downtown. Yeah. yeah. Downtown, you still have some relics, some cabins. Yeah. Uh, we don't have like that part of town that has those 1900. Uh, There's nothing here. What is it? Those uh, Victorian style, you yeah, know, your typical haunted houses. Nothing was here. <clears throat> this was a mining community that was really established in what 1909 ish. Yeah, and they were probably Rail, living Pedro. in huts. And then, like the things that are built in the 30s are usually like little log cabins. There. Yeah, you know, Everything. up to the well, log like cabins seven foot ceilings through. where exactly you'd, you'd be walking around. Like yeah, that. yeah, I've brushed my head many times on beams and different mm-hmm. things. So. Um, yeah, so that's like kind of the average and the range. What do you get? <clears throat> we'll kind of take each price range. Yeah. So starting from 50, sure. like on the bottom end, 50 to I would say 175. Let's start zero to 50. That's okay. going to get you land with a shack on okay, it. Okay, okay, yeah. When I say shack, it's a glorified <laughs> bird nest, right? Yeah. Um, you're not going to get much for that. And honestly, if you see something for that, even if it's a foreclosure, it's essentially condemned. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's there. Yeah. So 50 to 175-ish is what you said? Uh, we could even maybe tighten it in. So what uh, what I'd like to say is because people call me in this about $50,000 range to, we'll say to 125, where they're like excited to get a little fixer-upper. And what it is in reality... Is a condemned home. Is a condemned and home. what do I mean by condemned, though? Yeah, so, <laughs> so when I say condemned, because it's not really a, like a definition term. So I consider them condemned. Because you're looking at spending more to fix the house than you did to purchase the house. Yeah. That is kind of the line that I draw. If it has a foundation, roof, windows, if you're going to buy something for fifty grand, have to put $200,000 into it, like, that's not usually a good investment. Yeah. Well, it can be. I, I think it depends. It does depend, but I'm saying yeah. here with the cost of labor and everything, what you're going to get and mm-hmm. what I can resell it for, mm-hmm. people are just going to look it up and be like, you bought that for fifty grand. 
Yeah, it's true. And you're going to pump a lot of money into it, and you're going to walk away with ten grand. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other side of it as well is the calls of people who want to do what I call the putty and paint mm-hmm. method, where it's but like they call themselves fixer uppers. Yeah, they they want to do the easy things, which is fine. That's like a legitimate strategy. A hundred thousand dollars is not that thing. Like you're yeah. replacing foundations, you're replacing roofs, all that kind of stuff around that fifty to one hundred and twenty-five, and then one hundred and twenty-five we can go electrically like that. Yeah, all the way up to about two hundred. You're still like one twenty-five to two hundred. You're probably still in a range that you're not getting conventional financing for in probably a lot not. of cases. And that's um, crazy to say. Like I, I want to acknowledge just everybody that's listening here like yeah we're saying that one fourth of a million dollars can't buy you crap yeah like i i if i were Sad. looking at my clients a whole range of socioeconomic drivers yeah. from the little army guy with two kids to that single air force person mm-hmm. to the uh you know, person that works for game fishing game here in town. Like it doesn't matter if you're making fifty thousand or hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I truly believe that anything below two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars today with inflation and appreciation is probably not worth buying in order to make it your home unless you have the skills to fix it yourself. So and I, I kind of briefed over this. What do I mean when I say not conventionally like financeable. Like what's yeah, a lot of people terms. don't understand that. They think they can get a loan for anything and they can fix it up on their own. And that's why the pre approval letter is so important for mm-hmm. us realtors. We're not trying to make it difficult for you to buy a house. Literally, I we don't want to show you thirteen homes that are in this category and then you get an FHA loan and it turns out you can't even buy a manufactured home with the age range of these houses mm-hmm. over here. So we just wasted hours of my time, dollars worth of your gas, yep. etc. So what we want to do is get that pre-approval letter, figure out what loan type you have, VA, FHA, conventional, RD, USDA, you name one of the million different loan programs. And, and each one of those has loan rules and bank overlays that are going to tell you what houses you can and can't buy. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a puzzle piece. Um, is it clear cut? Do we have a list of things that are going to come up? No. No. That's the fun part about our job. Yep. It really is a, a Experience hide thing. and seek. Yeah. Because a VA loan from first rate and a VA loan from Denali will have different overlays. And those are bank dependent, right? The mm-hmm. VA guidelines are very clear cut. You can Google them and they're there. Mm-hmm. And then the bank layers their rules on top of that. Mm-hmm. Now you get an add-on. So let's say conventional with F, uh, Alaska Housing Finance Corporation. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see Alaska Housing Finance Corporation's conventional loan terms. It just goes to their board. They vote on it. There's a board of people there that then say whether they can finance this or not. Well, you've yep. already made a two-month investment in this property before it goes before this board. Yeah. So that's where it gets tricky. And so every loan, we have to basically come up with a new plan on how to get you into that house, what houses we can even look at. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, $200,000 house should be able to get you into this bracket. But now with this loan term, you're deleting half your options. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's the big thing. So even like I would happily sell anybody anything, but that's why we always bring up Basically, like you said, $225,000 and under, we're saying, hey, most likely this won't be conventionally financeable. And there's obviously exceptions to the rules, you know, that may be a little bit lower, maybe down to $200,000. But for the most part, it's not. So I'll throw this out there, though. Excuse me. Not to sound too cocky, but I'm always right. Like, (laughs) I've literally taken people to houses. You don't want that house. You don't want that house. You're not going to like this house. Mm -hmm. Trying to protect their time, their gas money, my time. Um, and then maybe steer the conversation into a better property or a better direction. And I, I've had very stubborn buyers before that, like, no, this is my dream home. This is the one I want to buy. Let's go look at it. And the second we walk in the front door, it's disappointment. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes anger with like, why is this house so bad, so crappy? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, it's eighty five thousand yep. dollars, and I told you so. Yeah. Um. But then, um. So that's what like we are trying to build that trust, which is why we do ultimately show them those houses, and then that experience allows me the next time around to have a little bit more clout with that buyer, where they're like, yeah. okay, last time you told me I was a piece of junk, this one's gonna be yeah. a piece of junk too. And there's buyers that buy a piece of the junk, so you gotta. And you there know. are <laughs> if that's what they're looking for. Yeah. But, but yeah. again, my job yeah. is to pick out what yep. you don't know that you want. Mm-hmm. And so during that whole conversation that we have, if I'm hearing, oh, well, I just want a little bit of paint and carpet and flooring, and yeah, if I need to replace some light fixtures and doorknobs, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's not fixing up a house. Yeah. That is making that house your home, in yep. my opinion. Fixing it up is I'm going to blow out this wall and double the size of the closet. You know, I'm going to remodel the bathroom and replace every appliance in there. Yeah. I, I think the difference for me is like you have heavy fixer uppers and then what I call just ugly homes. <clears throat> Excuse me, that they're they're good homes, Not everything's updated. good. Yeah, just update them. Yeah. Like that's what most people are saying when they're like, if their first time's doing it, it's like, hey, what we need to get you is an ugly home. And it sounds negative, but it's like, hey, this is a positive. But there are ugly homes. There's a lot of There's (laughs) ugly babies out there. We still love them. Watch out. (laughs) We just lost 13 moms that are following us. I think you're overestimating our viewership. Um, So... The so from two twenty five to let's say three hundred is a range I'm, uh, that I tend to stay in for whatever reason. Um, generally, you know, at the top end, you may start getting a third bedroom and a second bath. But yeah. generally, it's a two bed, one bath. Yeah. Um, you know, financeable house. Are they perfect? Not always. I would say dry cabins. We're seeing more and more of those creeping oh. up in the price range too. No way. Two twenty five. No, 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 sorry, up to about 175. Okay, okay. Some nice ones. Well, let's pause. Let's talk about dry cabins because a lot of that's something that most areas probably don't have. So, yeah. what do you mean when you say dry cabin? A house with no running water. Yep. So, it still has electrical, you still have lights. It's everything you would get in a small cabin or home. Where are they going to go? Mm. Depends. There's different <laughs> options here. So, a traditional dry cabin will have a uh, number two room outside, mm-hmm. typical outhouse. Two different versions of barrel that you can pump out or just something you cover with dirt and then move the outhouse every year to a different location. Um, then we have these hybrid dry cabins that will have composting toilets or uh, maybe an indoor toilet that you can then empty out into like a pit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, there's a lot of, um, we'll call it fecal manipulation, no matter which way you, you skin the cat <laughs> like on that, those dry yeah. cabins. Yeah. Yeah. So, and those are cheaper and those are hard to finance, but we do have pretty specific to Alaska as far as I know. The financing isn't hard. The problem is they're cheaper, but yet more expensive. They're cheaper total price. You're looking at $100,000 to $125,000 on average for one acre with a, you know, nice cabin on it. Yeah. Um, The problem is it's 25% down to purchase that. Yes. So your entry cost is two times that of a normal house at $300,000 with three Mm -hmm. bedrooms, two bathrooms, two car garage. Yep. But... You're going to own it a lot quicker. They're 10 year terms. Oh, they can go up to 15 too. They can go up to 15 now? Yeah. yeah and that makes yeah. sense with inflation and everything. So the terms are a little bit different, still financeable, just more expensive to finance, mm-hmm. and you're going to pay it off quicker. They're usually arms. Uh, the last one I heard was a 15 year term, seven year lock in, and then after that, every year your uh, uh, rate will adjust as an adjustable rate mortgage. So um, it's, again, your payments will be higher, obviously, because if you have shorter terms, higher interest rate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, you can get a, you get a nice one for probably 90,000. Um, yeah. like I mean, 16, depending on location, stuff like that, there's yeah. some maintenance required with them with leveling and stuff like that. Yeah. We usually build them in least less desirable land areas. That's a big life choice. Yes. Being, living in a dry cabin <clears throat> is obviously a huge life choice that, um, I don't know why there's not more composting toilets so you can do your stuff inside. It's really shocking 
how like the percentage, who knows what the percentage is, are still using outhouses yeah. when you know I'd spend. I would say bucks. of the population, ninety five percent are still using outhouses. Yeah, it's or really about five percent are composting toilets or something else like that. Uh, I've heard, and I'm not lived dry, but that's the only way to see the Northern Lights. The best way is if you have an outhouse because yep. you're outside all the time. Yep. <laughs> Take care of business. Ask Joe Head. He's got an outhouse <laughs> at his cabin that literally like faces <clears throat> the Alaska Range. You don't even need a door. You just nope. when you do your stuff. So just go it's kind of freeing at forty below. I don't know. Styrofoam on toy. Anyway, enough about dry caps. Let's so, go back to normal houses. Yeah, so Let's go back to the traditional. We don't want to sell those. I'm no, just kidding. They're not no, bad. I do like those. Those are actually fun. They're fun. They're, if, you're, you know, if you're willing to do it and you're wanting a vacation stay, you don't have to worry about right. freeze-ups. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of benefits to them. But, Airbnbs, it's a weird like, yeah. Alaskan niche. Yeah, absolutely. They can be very cute. Usually yeah. they're small. I, I don't think I've ever sold a dry cabin with three bedrooms. I'm trying to think. I've they're probably out there. More than two. I can... Usually it's one. They're usually really small. I've seen like two with a loft. Yeah, Two yeah, loft. yeah. Loft is a storage. Usually. Exactly. So, anyways, they're they're always on the smaller side, and they're they're cool for what they are. So, back to the like two twenty five, three hundred range. Again, you're very much livable. You're in what would be a more standardized house, two bedroom, one bath. At the top of the range, you may get up to a three bed, two bath, mm-hmm. depending on the condition. If you want a really nice two bed, one bath, you know, it's just kind of like condition. It fluctuates. And I'd say the, yeah. the, the general scheme of this is, you know, at the lower price ranges, you're either going to have something very small and cute mm-hmm. or something very big and old, yeah. outdated, or something condemned. On the other side of the scale, for a lot of money, you're going to have very modest, nice, updated things. I want to say up right now. We're not talking half a million plus. That's our luxury market. We'll get into that at the very end. Yeah. I'm saying three hundred to $400,000. Okay. You're going to get your standard home, good, nice appliances, well-kept. So I'd say anything over three hundred, you can expect to be pretty nice, yeah. pretty average, pretty normal, if you will. Yeah. And then anything under two hundred is going to be closer to that. What I just said, either really small and cute, or dry, or just old or dry mm-hmm. or condemned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sweet middle spot right now is probably two fifty to about three fifteen, where you get a nice mixture of some nice properties that have some issues, mm-hmm. some small, really nice properties like high end granite, very but just tiny little 1,600 square foot homes mm-hmm. or 1,400 square foot homes or something like that. So that's really a sweet spot where right now most of the activity is too. Mm-hmm. And so our market is kind of going through a correction like most markets in the U.S. are. But I'd say these things here are getting gobbled up by flippers and people that don't really know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. This middle category here is getting bought up by most of our homeowners. Yep. And anything above... 350 is really just kind of hanging out right now. Mm-hmm. And that's because all the people that are now in this price range used to be up here, but when the interest rate went from 3 to 7%, buying power went down. Buying power almost got erased. Mm-hmm. So yep. everything got shifted. So you, you talked about the kind of the 350 range. So mm-hmm. We'll say 315 to 400 is yep. kind of what we already we started about, like kind of those average homes. Um, so let's get into, and then we'll kind of talk more about the houses themselves yeah. and what to expect. But as far as the price range, let's go into the high end and luxury. Like, what are you? Seeing? Yeah. So I would say anything over four fifty right now. Personally speaking, I think half a million is that line, right? Mm-hmm. There's still some very modest houses at four fifty, or really old mega three thousand square foot houses and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but I'd say half a million dollars is kind of that line, and anything above that. Um, the statistics on how long it takes to sell, your comps, all of those things completely change because we just don't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I would say, in Fairbanks probably have six listings right now, over half a mil. So if you, let's say, just a hypothetical, not pulling one that's on the market right now. Okay. I was going to spend three-quarter mil, $750,000. Mm-hmm. What would I get, best case scenario? like Anything you want in this market. 
I would I would honestly say there might be two houses you couldn't afford. Right. Um, but at seven fifty, the entire market is your oyster. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, what are we talking about? Really, in their price range, you're looking at there's three or four houses. Mm-hmm. They're going to be four to five bedrooms. They're going to be two to five bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a two car garage. Uh, then, yeah. You know, you might be three, it might be four, but you, right. there's always going to be a give and take. We don't have that many uh, garage options up here. Yeah. Uh, maybe a shop on the property somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you are looking at probably some privacy at that price range, uh, meaning you can't see your neighbors. Um, Usually not a lot of land. We don't have a lot of, like, large land. When I say a lot of privacy, I'm thinking, like, two acres. That's what two I mean. acres here is a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're um, not getting – I mean, it can happen, but you're not getting 20-acre We get tracks. a lot of people coming from Texas. We have a lot of – private uh sorry public land here mm-hmm. and so all the private land is kind of gerrymandered around those into like out of town i'd say one to five acre lots yeah if you're over five acres you're basically on a farm agricultural land or a homestead yeah and and even those now you're 40 minutes out of town you're not gonna have internet or cell phone service yeah. so that the you know when people come up here and say they want to eat their cake and have it too they're literally talking about having like 10 acres perfect cell phone service city utilities that does not exist here, and that is the quickest yeah. way for me to not take you serious as a buyer. Yeah, yeah. It's just unrealistic ac- expectation. I can't help you. And okay. I'm going to be the bad guy if I just straight up say, hey, you're, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to think I'm lazy. And so it's easy to just cut the relationship there and have them go through two or three different realtors that all tell them the same thing. And then maybe they'll mm-hmm. come back around and be like, oh, I'm the problem, not these guys. Yeah. So that's kind of the, what you can expect in price ranges broadly. Of course, yeah. it's discuss it with us if you're moving up here. We can kind of get you a better we'll idea. Obviously. Let us explain it to you in person. So the um, going from there, like the houses themselves, yeah. in general, what are we seeing? Um, whatever you want to start with, like how the houses stuff work, inside, stuff inside, like how they look. However, you want to. Where you we'll start. put it out there first. Once again, Alaska is very normal. We're not that weird. We do have aliens, Northern Lights, but um, yeah. so you're gonna have an oven. You're gonna have a refrigerator. Oh, yeah. You're gonna have microwave. You're gonna have your standard 125 volt plug-ins. You're gonna mm-hmm. have your 220 for your uh, range and your, your your washer and dryer. You will have washer and dryers in your property. Maybe not the appliances because some sellers take those with you, but yeah. um, at least a room for it all. Yeah, stuff. similar. So all that stuff's else. normal. I'd say mm-hmm. really the only two things that we have that it's a little bit different than what goes on in the lower 48 is a boiler and a wood stove. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really think that's about it. I mean, we have thicker walls. Our normal house here is built with two by six construction. Mm-hmm. Lower 48, I think, is two by four. Yeah, depending um, on what's yeah, where you're at. I mean, yeah, little things like that. The pitches of the roof might be a little bit different. We have more metal roofs in the lower 48. But the boiler is the, the, the heart of the house. It's what's going to keep the house alive. And essentially, that is your heat source. And so there's an oil tank outside that pumps oil into the house. That house then has a boiler, which is what it sounds like, a, a cast iron chamber that takes the oil, turns it into a fire, heats up water, boils the water, that goes through copper pipes throughout the house, which is your radiant heat floor or your um, hot water baseboard mm-hmm. floors. And the baseboards, that, if you're not familiar, it's usually on the exterior walls. They're just little like like what you'd think of trim, but mm-hmm. stuck out, whatever right. they are, three Comes inches tall. Comes out about two inches out, about yeah. four inches tall. Mm-hmm. And you can put your furniture right up against that mm-hmm. because it's hot water that is as hot as your thermostat set. Yeah. So most houses are set around 60 to 70 degrees. So we'll say 65. You can't start a fire at 65 degrees. No, no. So, so it'll radiate the heat out um, mm-hmm. is kind of the thought. And there's other ways. You can still have forced air that runs off of We fuel. still have forced air that runs off of heating oil. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyo stoves, those are small space heaters. Mm-hmm. Those are more common than those dry cabins that we've been talking about. Yeah, up to about 1,500 square foot, those are useful. And then after mm-hmm. that, they don't have any ducting to the other rooms. Right. So, so that's where fans yeah. and you start jerry-rigging some stuff where you have fans <clears throat> going all over the place. Yeah, yeah. 
become less useful. So yeah, the heat I think is a big thing. And so we were saying fuel and oil that is diesel. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. a cheaper graded diesel. It's not yeah. you don't want to go in your diesel truck to the gas station, go to the heating oil pump and put it in your truck. You can. I've done it before. Um, don't recommend it. Yeah. Uh, it's just dirtier, so you're going to change your filters a lot sooner. It's going to clog up some stuff, but it will still run. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you're ever in a pinch, I think, oh, God, disclaimer, don't do this. I think you can put diesel in for heating oil, but I would not recommend that either. Use heating oil for your house. Use diesel for your truck. Yeah, I don't know the difference. I, I assume they were pretty similar. They're but, very similar, yeah. but I, it's all about additives and cleanliness and refining stuff, and I that's not my, yeah. my, my field of expertise. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, anyway, so we're using fuel. That's kind of the biggest difference. I mean, a lot of northern states use fuel as well, so it's not that yeah. shocking. But if you're coming from the southern states where it's all electric. We don't get a lot of clients from Wisconsin, Michigan. It doesn't seem that way. Oregon, no. Washington a little bit, but most of yeah. my clients are coming from Texas, South Carolina. Carolina, yeah. California right now is a big one. Yep. Um, Arizona. Here's a benefit. Mm -hmm. So any forced air system you have is it's on, it's on. So it's on in the whole house right. unless you have multiple forced air units. Mm -hmm. So one bonus is with the boiler system, you can have zones, which is right. so you can good and bad. It's yeah. great because if you want your bedroom a little bit cooler at night, but your living room a little bit warmer when you're watching movies, right. you can actually change the thermostats in the different rooms. Yeah. The downside is more things to go wrong. And so one of the common things that go wrong is a zone valve. True. And that's a cheap $75 fix, but mm -hmm. everyone's calling boiler techs and trying to get things serviced and looking, yeah. checking the oil, trying to figure out why is this one room freezing Cold, or super hot, yeah. Or super hot because it gets stuck open, right? Yeah. A zone valve, all a zone valve is is there's a metal pipe and it says allow this valve to open to put heat into that zone mm -hmm. or close it so that there's no more heat going to that zone. Mm -hmm. And if it's stuck closed, your room will freeze. And if it's stuck open, your room will be 900 degrees even though you have it set, not not literally 900 degrees. Yeah. But um, yeah, we will be stuck at whatever temperature <laughs> it will go. So probably yeah. about, but I've had one of my one of my apartments that got up to about 98 degrees. Sweet. And the guy was just sweating. That's and crazy. after three weeks, he finally called me and goes, hey, I think the heat's broke. I'm oh like, my gosh. let me waste three weeks of heating oil? <laughs> I could have fixed this in an hour. It's expensive. We yeah. have expensive energy costs yeah. on the other end, too. So you pay a lot of for, for fuel. You pay a lot for electric up here. Um, we generally, unless you're in city limits, you're going to have a well um, or a holding tank, which a holding tank is just what it sounds like. It's big Two tank. cents a gallon if you deliver it yourself. Mm -hmm. Nine cents a gallon if you have the truck come by and deliver it yeah. for you. And holding tanks are actually, in my opinion, very similar to being on city water if you have it on an autofill mm -hmm. because it is city water. Right. It's getting hauled to you. You're paying for it, mm -hmm. of course. Um, but like, whereas a well, you know, you've got treatments and different. Anyways, but you're definitely going to have, oh God, this conspiracy theorists are coming out. Um, cleaner water if you're on city water or a holding tank than you will on well water. Now the disclaimer here, the reason I say conspiracy theories, you got fluorine and the chemicals that you treat with that you're yeah. not going to get in the well. But yeah. you're, you're getting less iron, manganese, probably arsenic, etc., etc. So you know it, it is kind of a gray area where you're getting better water, but you're getting chemicals, or you're getting worse water and you're getting minerals that could kill you. Generally, you don't have a choice at the Generally end of the day, unless you want to be in city. Um, I mean, you can always install a holding tank, I guess, um, and you can sometimes I install guess wells. You could pop in a well downtown. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. So usually, you're going to. Get what you get, but yeah. if that's like a big deal for you, obviously just say that up front. It's like, okay, if you need city water, you're going to be in, obviously in city limits. There's yeah. a lot of states have like rural water associations. Mm. We don't have that. Like once you're out of city limits, that's where the water ends. That's where the sewer ends. Uh, septic systems, and we've brought this up before. Septic systems here fail all the time. We could do a whole episode. About forty percent of them every time we sell. Yeah, yep. Yep. And, and that's groundwater, permafrost. That's uh, a lot of people coming up here not knowing how to take care of a septic system, not knowing yeah. when to pump it, not 
not knowing what you can and can't put down the drains. Yeah. So septic systems are a huge pain in our ass, but mm -hmm. um, at the same time, it allows you to get out of town. Yeah. Otherwise, we would just be some mega city with nobody on the outskirts. Listen, you're. I think there's a lot of trade-offs for living here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things you don't have, but there's also a lot of things you can only get in Alaska. And we're getting a Panda Express. And one day we'll get this Chipotle. <laughs> one day we'll get a Chipotle. That's not where I thought this was going. Maybe, maybe we'll get a Chick-fil-A. Oh, um, that would, I would never leave. But no, you're right. There's a lot of things up here that you don't have. So I'll let you dig into those. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just just being out in the middle of nowhere, basically. It kind of yeah. feels like we're in an island. Um, you know, just all we're that We're definitely kind of stuff. on a landlocked island. So just yeah. for everybody listening who's not currently in Fairbanks, we're probably uh, an hour and a half to the nearest city either way. So Nanana and Delta. And those aren't even cities. Those are towns, villages, yeah. uh, small communities. 300 I mean, miles from something real. Neither one has yeah. a real grocery store. So yeah. uh, I would say the next city that you can drive to is Anchorage. Yeah. Yep. And that's on the other half of the state. Yeah. So it's it, we're, we're very separate here. Of course, like if you get stuff shipped here, a lot of places still don't ship to Alaska. And, and I said we're like an island. I want to be very clear because when you look at a map, sometimes they take Alaska and they cut it out and they put we're it. We're not an island. Down by Hawaii. I've been asked, oh. like, are you close to Hawaii? It's like, that is not the case. We just don't fit. because Monthly. We're at yeah. least once a month, somebody yeah. asked me that. Yeah, we are attached uh, to the North People America. Are like, explain to me how come you guys have snow, but you're right next to Hawaii. Yes. My jaw yeah. drops. It's calm. Yeah. Oh, my God. The first time I heard it, I was really confused by what they were even asking. I was me, like, too. They, yeah. had a, they had to reference, like, the actual map. Yeah. They cut out. I'm like, no, it's a cut out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we, we deal with a lot of that. But um, anyways, back, back to the that. houses. Like, as far I'm as. sure. I really want to dig into this. We are not an island, man. <laughs> we're not an island? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't overemphasize how many people will call me about it not jokingly no no i again if you're not here if you live here it sounds silly and stupid and, and the igloo thing i gotta be honest whoever that was i hope they're not listening but they're they're missing a few iq points i think if, if you think we're seriously still living it goes maybe there's some villages that are like i, I cannot imagine even even like barrow they have like I've, city water up there i know you know barrow gnome all those places they, they live in echo units and trailers and modular homes manufacturing homes a couple stick built homes well here's a side thing that i, that I think is a legitimately good idea and then we'll get it back on track i think it would be a good idea to have a tract of land and build igloos and rent those suckers out oh uh, if you like can figure like out how days. to like keep them cool enough and in the winter is not gonna be a problem but like the maintenance piece of it the we have to build the, them every year re yeah. no of course that, <laughs> yeah. but i'm saying like the reset if you get you know, some big guy in there that's breathing heavy, you're going to start degrading the interior of those igloos and stuff like that. Yeah. How to make them comfortable so people actually want to stay in them and rent them out. But I think that would be an amazing Airbnb opportunity. Yeah. Well, if somebody's bought a track of land, great Northern Lights opportunity, that's maybe some entertainment on the thing. Yeah. Definitely having like a clubhouse that's 24 hours a day that they can go and get warmed up in. Mm -hmm. And then basically you go back to your little igloo to sleep in. I think, be awesome. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. So, anyways, igloos are. Go ahead and steal that, but give me a three percent royalty commission on that. I'll take six. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> the uh, anyways, so the houses themselves, we've kind of talked about how they work and stuff. So, what to expect when you get here? Um, we kind of discussed this beforehand how deep we wanted to go in. The houses here are not. When I came here, it felt like buying maybe 20 years ago um which is uh, like how do i explain this like the newer houses are nice and great but a lot of our stuff is outdated um, well, let's talk about this let's talk about the history of fairbanks real quick yeah and then, and then kind of overlap that with real estate so the real estate history here is you know we already talked about the 30s that was all gold miners and people coming up here trying to you know claim their land huts. and do the things yeah. Yeah, little huts right then i'd say in the 50s and 60s was kind of our early days so that's the when, when Fairbanks really just got started, and that was the big boom from World War II. 
So Lat Army uh, Arab Field, which is now Fort Wainwright, mm -hmm. was literally this place where we flew all the American bombers, met the Russians, shook their hands, and they flew it over to, to fight the Nazis. Mm -hmm. So that's our second boom here in Fairbanks. And so we got a different kind of uh, Army barracks-looking houses that kind of developed during that period because it really was people looking for gold, people that want to be left alone, and then this military base in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, the 70s. Booming time in our uh, in our economy here, probably in history the best time in our economy, and that was because um, oil. That's when the pipeline started. That's when the Trans Alaskan Highway was put in, getting put in. All those different things. So the seventies was a big boom, and because oil was so cheap, because we're getting it from right up the street, mm -hmm. um, we built small, cheap houses, two by four construction, a lot of apartment buildings, and that kind of stuff, because we were just trying to house these oil workers. And why would we spend an extra Fifteen thousand dollars on the house when heating oil costs us, you know, a couple pennies a gallon, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. We we'll just put more oil in the house. We'll heat it hotter. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why the quality in the seventies, I would say, is a little bit subpar to what we're we're going to get into in the eighties and nineties. Um, so that's the seventies. Um, then the eighties and nineties, we've had a couple recessions and economic downturns here because of oil prices. If you remember the Carter uh, and all that stuff that happened back in the eighties. Um, the Reagan. I yeah, I wasn't alive. <laughs> I don't remember. I read history books. It could be fake news. Who knows? Um, but all that stuff. So, so in the '80s, and then again in like '93, we had this big like exodus from Fairbanks, um, where the economy didn't crash, nothing. But, but we just saw people leaving more than we saw people coming in. Mm -hmm. So we didn't build as many houses. <clears throat> then in the '90s, the army base started growing. Isleson kind of blossomed into its its existence, and so we started building more houses for incoming people coming in. Mm -hmm. So the '90s was nice. 2000s that kind of did its little thing because of the 2007 six eight crisis there um and then recently we've seen a huge boom in our economy i'd say over the last three years with the f-35s we basically doubled the size of the mm -hmm. uh, air force base the army base grew a little bit our economy's taken off oil has been good until recently mm -hmm. so we wanted to build more houses but then there was other economic drivers that prevented us so right now currently in the last three years we've only been adding about 20 to 35 houses to our economy annually. It's not much. And we're seeing an influx of about 1% annually, which is about, what, 5,000 people? Yeah. No, yeah. that's way, that number's way off. 1% is about um, 1,000. Yeah. Because yeah, we about have 100,000 people between the city and the urban areas. Yeah. And you, you got to remember, too, so people think when you're adding these houses, like, all right, well, even if our population was totally stagnant, mm -hmm. um, which it really, I mean, honestly, it hasn't grown that much. Right. But, um, Houses degrade. So those fifty, sixty thousand dollars houses we were just talking about. At one point, those were new. Mm -hmm. You know, so now they're no longer livable. So we do have like an inflationary and a deflationary pressure. Yeah. And right now, I feel like our deflationary pressures are uh, higher. So like our inventory is pretty tight. But yeah, it does go into. It's like we're not getting a bunch of new stock. So I used to sell in a bigger city, and if somebody wanted a nice new house like this, updated to the like all the way. Um, it was pretty easy to find. There was like maybe a new house built every like two hours, like being completed. And that's you the know? problem here. If you yeah. want a new house, you have to call me because I sold them all this year. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I pretty yeah. much sold every, I, I sold like seven of the 20 new constructions this year and, and essentially half of an entire cul-de-sac. Yeah. I sold to a bunch of F-35 pilots and their friends. And, you, you know, now that cul-de-sac is... I was wondering why I sold no... They're best uh, friends. Yeah. yeah. 
no new That's going to be a cool neighbor because they all work together. They're all <laughs> friends. They actually went to flight school together. So uh, I'm yeah. going to have to go down to, to Old Striker Loop for a cookout this summer. That's pretty awesome. Or though. two or three. But, yeah, so, I mean, realistically, so when you come up here, I think a lot of people say this, and this is why I'm bringing it up. I'm not trying to Debbie down Fairbanks. Again, you're, you're going to be giving up some things to live here, but it's, in general, you're probably going to see some more outdated um, houses. Um, it's, again, it's depending on where you're coming from. to update them. Yeah, an opportunity to update them where you're coming from. You're probably used to, again, I sell in Arkansas. If you had $300,000, you could have a beautiful house, a new beautiful house. You could have 10 to 20 acres of land, and you could pretty much be where you wanted. You know, and here, 300000 like you're saying, is just when you're getting into, like, it's a pretty good house, mm-hmm. you know, like where you're not worried about the all these big issues. It's a three-bed, two-bath with some garage space. So... Um, that's the biggest thing is I think people come up here and we hear it all the time. Sometimes if they're coming from California, it's the opposite, but generally most people, this is more expensive than where they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so when they get here, they're like, Oh my God, I'm spending $400,000 on an outdated house. And it's like, well, I don't decide those prices. Right. You, the buyer do not decide the price. Well, in a general sense, maybe you do. It's I, I give buyers it, is a collective. Yeah. There. It's the market. It's yeah. the market. And I tell the sellers the same thing, but if you're coming up to buy, the market is determining the price. And I just went to contract with the guy. It was funny. He's like, I'm stuck in pre-COVID pricing. We all are. We yeah. Are. He's like, so he wanted to offer whatever. I don't want to get all the numbers, but he wanted to offer like $75,000 less. And I was like, you know, this is kind of overpriced. We need to offer a little bit less. But anyways, they finally came down. We did get that deal worked out. And I told him, I was like, I get what you're saying, but we're not in 2018 anymore. We're in 2022. And prices are... We've had are- a recession. We've had inflation. <laughs> we've had a catastrophic yeah. economy. Like... We- yeah, it feels very singular when you're buying one house. And you feel like, well, why can't I get the house for what I want to buy it for? But what it is, is it's a whole market that's working together, just like any market. Two parts to in closing here. Mm-hmm. One, I wish I would have bought more Amazon stock when it was $85 a share. Yeah. But guess what? I can't go back to 2011, okay? Like, it, it, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And on the second part, like, when it comes to houses themselves... Um, this is a prediction here, but in five to 10 years, the average American is not going to be able to afford a home. Mm-hmm. So figure out your budget. This is me being serious right now. Like figure out your yeah. budget and buy a house now, a house. It doesn't need to be your dream house. It doesn't need to be your forever home. Get, in the game. get into the game, get into property because in the next five to 10 years, the prices are going to go outrageous. And if you don't have that equity already being built now, it's hard to get in. It's hard to. Yeah. And if you're 20 something years old, don't look at houses. Do not look at houses. Two, three, or four plexes at a minimum. Mm-hmm. You can't afford a five or six plexes of the loan types. But like your first property you should buy should be an investment property that you're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, Airbnb out one of them, rent out the other one, whatever your game you want to play with them. Mm-hmm. But like right now, if I can be dead serious for a second and not mm-hmm. make any jokes, like everybody should be buying a property because I truly think in the next five to ten years, if you don't already have one, you're not going to be buying one. You're going to be a renter for life. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. As it sucks for our kids. Yeah, but I'm telling them the same thing. <laughs> I, I'm not as dreary as you. I, I agree with I think the overall sentiment. Um, but if you also think, just to add to your point, is you always hear these old timers saying, I bought this house in the 80s for like $15,000. Mm-hmm. You will be that person. You'll say, I bought this house in 2022 for $400,000. Go talk and to all the old people in California. That's how it goes. You just said you wanted to buy it $85 in 2011. At some point, this will be 2011 for housing, you know, mm-hmm. in the future. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be. I bought Amazon for 85 in 2011. It's 3000 something a few years. I mean, they obviously did some splits and stuff. You know, right? Amazon like, could go down. And housing goes up and down, mm-hmm. but we all know it all goes up to the right eventually. Right. Like, it's we know what's going there. So getting in the game building that equity can you lose 
like what can you not lose in in life? So, but anyways, I know we're not gonna get into all that, but it, I totally agree that like for the future, at least having your toes in the water in some sense. I'm just some saying, way. I, I'm going on a lot of clients right now that want to game the, the market and that want to time it perfectly. And last year they were unhappy oh, because wait. it was twenty thousand dollars over asking price. This year they're unhappy because it's a seven percent interest rate. Yeah. Next year the interest rate's going to drop to four percent, which is still worse than it was over here. But you're going to have the same thing happen where you're going to have competitive people. Yeah. Offering ten twenty thousand dollars over. So honestly, if you could buy right now, refinance in a year, you're gonna be better off. And right now, you're gonna have more options, and you can get those repairs done that you need to done. You can get those upgrades done, or the carpet allowances that you want. Your closing costs covered. Like we can make a pretty good offer right now. Maybe not seventy five thousand dollars low, like you mentioned a second ago. I did get one. It was forty thousand dollars under. I I, I made a twenty thousand dollar low offer yesterday, and it got accepted. Yep, yep. So like people are giving those concessions. Yep. Um. So as so, a year ago, that would be unheard of. Cause unheard of. Forty thousand dollars for this particular house would have been would be a. Uh, like thirteen percent. A year ago, a I had buyers for paying us. for the seller's closing costs. Yeah, forty thousand over. I had I wrote an offer. I think the best one I wrote was seventy thousand dollars over asking, and I was not the highest. You mean the bidder. worst offer you wrote? <laughs> yeah, like that is that is awful. <laughs> no, it sucks that we yeah. had to do that. But yeah, yeah. we were seventy thousand over asking, and we still didn't get it. And it's like so somebody offered a more appealing. I think I don't know if it was higher, could have been cash. What that doesn't matter. But so the fact that we're not doing that anymore. For the record, cash is not worth more than a loan. You, the value of cash yeah. over a loan is speed and about $3,000 in closing costs. Yep. Yep. Somehow, a lot of people think cash is $40,000 more valuable or something like that. The seller gets cashed out with your loan. Like, mm -hmm. in the end, we're, we're talking about the difference in time and closing costs. It depends on, it. yeah, it depends on the seller. So if the seller values cash really well, so on average, I would agree with what you're saying, but sometimes the seller's just like, cash is cash, baby, I don't have to worry about appraisals, and they will take a bigger discount than I think right. they should, but. But appraisal is 1200 bucks, and if you price the home appropriately, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because people think they're going to get half off because they're buying cash. I've yeah. had so many times. But it's usually the first time someone buys with cash, which, again, it's a special moment. That mm -hmm. feels great. You're gonna I have it. enough money to do this. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've never done that personally. So, that. I can't. Yeah. I don't yeah. But they, they have in their <laughs> head this like, oh, we've been playing this game with the loan. Now we're going to come in cash and get, like you said, like a 20% decrease. And that's just not the case. But yeah. anyways, we're getting off track. Um, I think that pretty much you got anything I else? I think that wanna? sums it up. Um, yeah. You know, driveways. Uh, haven't plowed um, trees so. if uh, they're dead cut them down so they don't fall in your house yeah, pretty um, normal stuff normal everyday wear and tear and stuff like that. it's it's not that weird here get a generator get a generator if you want to back up <laughs> and honestly yeah. you know I've went seven years now without one we did one last winter and I haven't used it yet so really yeah you didn't have that big power edge yeah didn't even do it in a big one huh? I didn't have a long enough cable <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to leave the generator running yeah. in my garage. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in closing, uh, come on up, check out our inventory. If you have any questions, uh, like, subscribe, comment below. Uh, we'll get, you know, hopefully answer all your questions. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Blake, appreciate your time. Yep. Uh. Fun.